Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. The preaching of the Word, Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verse 13. He went out again beside the sea, and the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. He said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at the table in his house, the tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. There's many who followed him. The scribes of the Pharisees, they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, they do. I have come not to call sinners, but to call the righteous. Did that make sense? Sometimes the pastor throws things at you that are a little confusing. Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Did you hear that? Jesus said, I came to call the righteous. Not to call the righteous, but sinners. Did they write that down right? Jesus came for sinners? I'm not sure that's right. I thought Jesus just came for the good people, for those who had their act together, for those who had cleaned themselves up, for those who put themselves together and and got their act together and got themselves right first. I wanted to say Jesus came for the righteous, but the Word says He came for sinners. Let me uh, share with you a little bit of my inner Pharisee. Uh, several years ago, there was a deacon in our church who, uh, who came to me and he was really excited about sharing his faith in Jesus Christ with lost people. He, uh, he said, Pastor, I, I, I'm not doing a good job of, of really loving people or, or getting the gospel out there. But I, I want to change that. Now that I've been elected as a deacon in this church, I, I really want to live a different life. I want to be out there with people. I, I, want to, I want to tell people about Jesus Christ. How do we do that? So we started talking, we started brainstorming, and uh, he came to the conclusion that the best thing for he and I to do would be to go to a local tavern. And, uh, and, and to share the gospel there with people. If you know my background, I, I think I hit it well, but I, I bristled. I, I immediately, my cackles went up, immediately thought in my mind, no, not going to happen. Not going to catch me in a bar. 
and part of my story was my mom owned a bar when I was growing up and uh, saw a lot of evil things happen in that tavern. Spent a lot of nights out in that North Dakota winter sitting in the car waiting for my mom to get done. Saw a lot of horrendous things done by inebriated people. Saw a lot of um, hurtful things done because people were getting lit up. And so when he said, let's go to a bar, my first thought was, those people, they don't need the gospel. They haven't deserved the gospel. Those people, they, they don't need to, to us to go there and, and meet them where they are. They need to get themselves to, to church. They need to get themselves to God. They need to get themselves in a position where they are acceptable. You know, just, just my, my whole background, my whole, my whole way of thinking uh, came to a, a forefront there and how wrong I was. But nevertheless, uh, I, I, I saw his heart, I saw his passion, I saw his, his, his desire to show the gospel, and so I said, white-knuckled, sure. Let's go to the bar. So we picked a night, and uh, we showed up. Um, we, we got there, and, and I ordered my Pepsi. And we started playing pool, and we started looking around, and uh, we started, you know, kind of noticing who was watching, who was there, and, and eventually we started talking to people. And, and he had a great time. I didn't. I must have five Pepsis that night. And, and he, was, he was loving people. And he was there with the people. He was caring for the people. And I was humbled by our deacon as he loved people in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, what does Jesus want us to do with lost people? What is the mission? How does Jesus want us to take God's word to people? What does it look like in this day and age when people aren't coming to church as often? What does it mean to give grace? What does it mean to extend grace? What does it mean to love people in the name of Jesus Christ? Jesus did a great miracle. We saw it last week. We, the, the last few weeks, we saw the wonderful things that Jesus had done. Remember the paralytic came, and, and, and they lowered him through the roof, and, and Jesus healed him. But before he healed him, he said, your sins are forgiven. What an amazing thing that he did. Remember the leper that we read about a few weeks ago? How the leopard ran up to him, and he fell on his knees. He said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. This unclean man, this people that people avoided for religious reasons, he, they would stay away, but Jesus reached out and touched him, preached the sermon through the touch. And, and, and Jesus left uh, Capernaum. He went out in the wilderness. He started walking by the Sea of Galilee again. 
great victories, wonderful things had happened, ministry had been done, lives had been changed, and, and now he's out in the wilderness again, and, and, and guess who comes to him again? The whole crowd. They, he, he went out there probably to be alone with the Lord again, with, with, with Yahweh again. He went out there to pray, and the crowd comes. And, and what does he do? Does he turn them away? Does he, he begins to teach him again. We see again and again in, in Mark, as we've gone through the sermon series, he came to preach, he came to preach, he came to preach, but man, when, when push came to shove, he healed, and when, 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 when people needed a touch, he touched them. He didn't shy away from lost people. He didn't shy away from irreligious people. He didn't shy away from broken people. He met them where they were. Uh, he, he preached and he teached. And again, I, I, have, I have to bring the gospel up because I think sometimes we make it so small and so, and so short-sighted. The gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus, Jesus, along with John the Baptist, he came announcing that the kingdom has come, the kingdom is near. God's rule is here. And what, what did that mean? The people of his day, they, they, they knew Jesus's, uh, God's promises of sending a Messiah. They knew God's promises of sending a time, bringing a time when, when the world would be made straight, when, when things would be made right, when, when the bent and broken and ugly world would be transformed, where, where the, a shalom would come into the world of peace, a, a world of justice where, where no more evil would be done, a, a world of righteousness would come, a, a world of, of hope and joy and happiness would come. When God set everything straight, but in the midst of preaching that, He also announced that judgment was coming. God's judgment was coming upon the earth, coming upon the world. And so the message, the good news is God's coming. It's at hand. And so you better repent. Get, get, get yourself into the kingdom. Get yourself right with God. Turn away from your wicked ways. Leave the, the, the worldly ways behind, your evil behind. Come to God. Come to God. He, so that, that was his message because there's a, a judgment coming, because God is going to set the world straight. He's going, he's going to get rid of all the evil. Get yourself right with God. Repent and be saved. Repent and believe. And so he, he preached that, and, and uh, very few takers, as far as we know. Very few people said, yeah, I, I, I need to change. I need to be transformed. I, I need to get right. I, I need to get in line with the truth. I, I, need, I need my God to be in my life. I need to be close to Him. I need to serve Him and love Him and walk with Him in my life. As far as we know, very few. And so Jesus is preaching this message, and at some point, at some point, He, uh, he starts walking along the Sea of Galilee. And there he sees a tax booth. And as he's going, he says to the man sitting at that booth, follow me. And the guy, he, he left everything. The guy, he left everything and, and followed Jesus. Why is this such a stunning account? What's happening here? It's actually a great moment in church history because do you know who Levi is? Uh, he, his other name is Matthew. Matthew, the tax collector. This man wrote the gospel of Matthew. This man became an apostle of Jesus Christ. This man became one of the most influential men in the history of the world by God's grace in his life. 
But when Jesus met him, he wasn't a righteous man. When Jesus met him, he wasn't a good man. When Jesus met him, he wasn't a clean man. When Jesus met him, he was a messed up sinner. He was a selfish man. He was a wicked man. Uh, you, you can't put into words how deeply the Jewish people hated the tax collectors. They were working for the Romans, you know, the, the, the oppressors, the ones who had come and taken control of the country, come and used the country for their own ends and their own purposes, the ones who had uh, made the Israelites their servants. For a tax collector to sign up with Herod or to sign up with the Romans and gather taxes for their benefit, for their, for their nation's sake, for the Romans' nation's sake, it was treason. It was evil. Uh, the tax collectors would uh, give bids. The, the, the potential contractors to, to uh, serve the Romans or even to serve Herod, they'd give bids. They, they, they would say, hey, I'll, I'll gather this much money for you, governor or ruler or, or Romans, uh, and, and they would make a promise. And then the Romans would say, sure. And, and the, the taxmen, what they could do, because once they were given the contract, they could tax people to the rate that they felt was appropriate. So if there was you know, a $10 tax, they might ask for $12, and they'd keep the $2. And so what would happen over time, these men would grow great in power, and they would take, and they would take, and they would take, and they would get rich. Levi was a rich man off the blood, sweat, and tears of his fellow countrymen. All their hard work, all their labors. Uh, the fishermen that Jesus called, James and John, Simon and Andrew, uh, they probably had to pay taxes to Levi. They probably had to pay taxes to this man that Jesus had now called to follow him. Maybe they paid through the notes through their, for their export business. And this man, their fellow Jewish man, how they hated him. And, and, and not only was he doing bad things, but because of all his dealings with the Gentiles, the religious people, the scribes, the Pharisees, they saw him as unclean. Always unclean, always religiously impure, always out of alignment with God, so they thought. And so Jesus has the audacity to say, come, follow me. Notice Jesus didn't say to Levi, hey, uh, I, I see you've got some potential. I can look into your heart and I can see that uh, maybe down the road you'd be worthy of following me. But here's my uh, game plan for you. Over the next two years, I want you to give up sin. I want you to, to stop uh, taking from people. Over the next few years, I want you to clean yourself up. Over the next few years, I want you to get right in line with the tradition of the elders. I want you to get right in the way that you live. I want you to get right in, in, in regards to your money and your wealth and your lust and your greed. I want you to get right. He doesn't do that. He meets the tax collector. He meets the sinner where he's at. He says, I want you to follow me. 
He extends to the sinner the kingdom. Again, in the context of the preaching, God is coming. God's coming. I'm here. I'm the Messiah, as as it were. I'm going to bring about a kingdom. I'm going to bring about His rule, His reign. You got to get ready because when I when I come back, judgment's going to fall. If you're not in God's kingdom, if you're not in God's good graces, if you've not been saved, if you've not been forgiven of the debt against God, you will be judged. You will be cast out. You will be destroyed. In the context of the preaching, Jesus extends grace to someone who didn't deserve it. You know, uh, my bias because of the way I grew up and some of the things I saw and some of the things I experienced, I really hated alcoholics. I really despised them uh, because uh, for, for a lot of reasons. And so for a lot of years, uh, I, uh, I decided I was going to be Mr., uh, Mr. Um, <clears throat> you know, put down anybody that drank. So I, I made a pledge. I made, I made a, a pledge of honor that I would stand up for those who decided they could never drink alcohol. I would be the one who would, who would always champion the cause of, of never drinking. And, and so I made a pledge that I would never drink again. Out of pride and out of arrogance and out of uh, maybe a, a sense of wanting God to appreciate me and wanting God to accept me. I, I took on the, the mantle of the Pharisees and, and man, those people... They're not good enough, but look at me. I've refused to drink. Look at me. I've, I've arrived. I must be acceptable to God. I must be right with God, but not them. When we as Christians expect people to clean themselves up to come to God, when we as Christians expect people to come meet us, to come to our level, we are practicing Pharisees. Jesus never condoned sin. Jesus never participated in sin. But He met the sinners where they were. Uh, Levi, think about what he decided at that moment. He, maybe he heard the preaching of Jesus. Maybe he knew the, the message. Maybe, maybe he was weighing the options. Maybe he saw what Jesus was offering him. He saw his life of, of making a lot of money. He, he had a big house. We, we see in the Gospel of Luke, he, he threw a great banquet at his house for Jesus. He had a big house. He had all the possessions, all the prizes, everything he would need from the world. And he had to decide, will I, will I hold on to these idols? Will I hold on to these things I worship? Will Hold on to these things that, are, that the world lusts after and the world longs for. Will, will I go for something different? Will I see the kingdom in all of its glory? You know, the kingdom is such a beautiful thing. Jesus described it as a pearl of great price that someone would give up everything for because it's so glorious. It's a treasure hidden in the field. Man, give up everything. Sell everything to get that, that field, to get that treasure. Levi had to make the determination, do, do, I, do I respond to the preaching of Jesus, the, the, the teaching of Jesus, and, and enter the kingdom, receive the grace, or do I hold on to my, my own little kingdom and my own little world and thus lose my soul? He decided to go with Jesus. 
He could never go back to being a tax collector. He could never go back to being the money maker. He could never go back to that idol. He left everything for Jesus because Jesus had called him into the kingdom. Jesus extends grace to sinners, and so should we. Jesus invites people to enter the kingdom, and so should we. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and so should we without having to make them Pharisees first, without having to make them religious people first, without having to make them godly people first. Jesus called them to be saved, called them to trust, called them to repent and believe. And then, He gave them His Word. So Levi leaves and uh, history has been made. This becomes a famous uh, apostle, becomes the writer of the Gospel of Matthew. He's changed a lot of lives, as I've said, but it was a moment of decision. If Jesus had spent, uh, every time he saw Levi, man, you, <laughs> you thief, you, you, you evil person, you, man, get yourself cleaned up, get yourself right. Get yourself in a good position, and then maybe someday that we could make something out of you. But Jesus met him where he was. How beautiful. How glorious. How wonderful. I want to be like Jesus. Well, uh, Levi, verse 15, he reclined at the table in his house. Uh, Jesus reclined at the table in his house. Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. There were many who were following him. And this, this, is, a, this is a kind of a neat moment. This is, this is Levi catching the vision. This is Matthew catching the vision. Some of you maybe have been in places before where you've heard of a Matthew party or a Levi party. right? Le- Levi has all these friends, all these sinners, all these broken people in his life. All these people are far from God. They would never think about walking with God, never, never even attempt. But, but Levi invites these people to his house, and he invites Jesus and the disciples to his house, and he's bringing together irreligious people with religious people. He's bringing the people that are walking with God, the people who aren't walking with God. What a beautiful moment. What, he's caught the vision. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't drift away just into the religious crowd. He doesn't just drift away into uh, to the, the safe church, puts up the walls of the church around him and said, I'm never going to go be with those sinners again. I'm never going to be with those broken people again. I don't care about those people. This, I'm in the church now. I'm with godly people now. I never have to spend time with sinners again. No. He says, I love those people enough that I'm going to set the table so they can meet Jesus like I've met Jesus. I'm going to put my life in such a position. I'm going to use my possession in such a position. I'm going to use my wealth and my resources and my house to bring people to Jesus. And then whatever happens once they meet, they hear the gospel, whatever happens once they meet Jesus, well, that's God's work. But, but Levi, man, what, what, a neat, what a neat transformation that this man who was ripping people off, Jesus called him when he was still ripping people off. Jesus called him when he was still using people. When he was selfishly living a life for himself, Jesus called him. And now when he said yes, now he's, he's being transformed. He's becoming a man of God. Now he wants to reach people for 
Jesus Christ. What a, what a neat moment this is. And Jesus is reclining. And so uh, they're not sitting around a table like stiff and wooden. They're reclining. Like their heads are in the table. They got their legs out there. They're chilling. They're, they're having a, a, a nice gathering. They're hanging out. Jesus is hanging out with broken people and messed up people. And what the world would say are evil people. And he's good with it. Because, rightfully said, as the scripture said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. The well don't need a physician. The the whole don't need a physician. But the sick do. And so, man, Jesus hears... Jesus hears the call of, of Levi. Hey, would you come be my guest in my house? I'm going to invite some friends. You know that Jesus is like, yeah, I'm there. Even though as a respectable rabbi, even though as a respectable teacher, that was totally taboo. You know, when I went into that bar with, with uh, that deacon of our church, I, I, I'll be honest, I was looking around. I wonder if there's anybody from my church here. Uh, you know, and I'll be honest, we met at the church and I rode in his car to the bar because I was worried about some of you judging me. See, I was worried about myself and I wasn't thinking about lost people. I was worried about my reputation instead of worrying about people that needed Jesus Christ. I was worried about what people thought of me as a pastor more than I was thinking about people going to hell. Shame on me. Jesus didn't hesitate for a second to go to that sinner's house. The reputation that he had, Jesus didn't hesitate for a second to hang out with lost people. He didn't care what the Pharisees said. He didn't care what they thought of him. This is why I've come, to call sinners into the kingdom. Man, it would be wrong if the doctor always hung out with well people. Shouldn't the doctor be with sick people? Of course he should. And so he goes, and man, they're, they're, they're there. And, and do, you, do you see what, what Jesus is doing again? He's meeting people where they are. He, he's extending grace. Really, when you ate with someone in this culture, you were accepting them. When you ate with somebody in this culture that Jesus was part of, it was like you were saying, we're on the same level. Wow. The Messiah, the eternal Son of God, the perfect one who never sinned, he's reclining next to... (laughs) People have been stealing from people their whole life. People have been selfish in, their, in all their dealings. People who are hated by the neighbors. And Jesus is loving it. Because this is why He's come. To call sinners home. To extend the kingdom to people that didn't deserve it. To extend the offer of salvation to people who had never earned it. To extend God's love and His grace to people that were emissaries of Satan. 
How wonderful our God, how beautiful He is, how gracious He is that He would pursue sinners like me and you and call us into His life, into His kingdom. Amazing grace. So the Pharisees, they found out about it. Man, maybe, they're, maybe they got their spies already. Maybe they're looking like, hey, we got to keep tracking everybody. We don't want anybody anywhere to have any fun. A Pharisee is someone who's, who's probably thinking, man, there's somebody out there. There's somebody that's not following the rules. Let's go get them. Now, it's not like that, really. Pharisees, you know, Pharisees had a lot in common with Jesus. I mean, the Pharisees, there's a lot of good to the Pharisees. Man, they, they love God's Torah, God's law. Man, they memorized whole books of the Bible to know the law, to know what God's standards were. And man, they were zealous of walking with God. They're passionate about keeping uh, religiously all of God's rules. Man, they, they, they worked hard at it. And not only did they try to keep God's laws to the best of their ability, they actually came up with a second set of laws, the oral law, the tradition of the elders. They, 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 like had this, this, they wanted to walk so well with God, they, they set up this fence, the oral law, the traditions, that they keep these extra rules on top of the law, these, these law, rules on top of rules, so they'd never sin against God. Man, they were passionate. Jesus theologically had a lot in common with them. They believed in the resurrection. He taught the resurrection. They were so conservative in so many ways. They were so conservative. Jesus didn't have a problem with their desire to keep the law. He had a problem with their hypocrisy. He had a problem with them pretending like they kept everything and they did everything right. He had a problem with them keeping the smallest of laws but forgetting to love people, forgetting about being faithful to people, about being righteous like the big things they set aside and they kept the small things. But the Pharisees, man, they... Hey, Levi. Hey, James and John, we need to talk to you. Why does he eat with sinners? Why, why does he eat and drink with people who aren't in the kingdom yet? Why does he spend time with people that are in rebellion with those people? Tax collectors and sinners, uh, it's kind of a technical term for anybody. The Pharisees, they, they were so zealous and so passionate about what they believed. and They were so righteous in their own sight that they looked down on anybody who wouldn't try to keep their, the, the tradition of the elders. They looked down on anybody, common people. I mean, it took a lot of work. Pharisees fasted twice a week. They, they made sure they were meticulous and all they're, 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 they're cleaning their pots. And they never met with anybody that they thought might be unclean. They were so meticulous, and, and, but it took a lot of work. And they looked down upon anybody who was too busy with life, who had kids. They looked down with anybody, anybody who wasn't passionate like they were passionate, who wasn't able to put in the time and energy to be righteous as they were righteous. They talked about those people. Hey, man, you guys are following Jesus. You're a disciple of Jesus. And, and why does he eat with those people? Have you ever been in a church that talked about those people in scornful terms, in hateful terms? Oh, those people out there. 
how horrible they are. I'm glad we're not some of those people. And churches that start talking about that, they just love being in the church all the time. They love being within the walls of the church all the time. They they don't want to be contaminated by lost people. They don't want to be tempted by lost people. Pastor, I, I could never go to a bar. I might fall into sin. Pastor, I could, I could never go to, go, go to where lost people are. I might lose my reputation. Pastor, shouldn't they come to us? We have service. We have our, 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 our times on the sign everywhere. Shouldn't they come to us to hear the gospel? Shouldn't they get dressed up? Shouldn't they, shouldn't they bend their way to us? How is it that your rabbi, how is it that your holy teacher spends time with broken people and sinners? He doesn't seem like much of a rabbi to us. He doesn't seem like a very good man to us. And so Jesus hears about this and he says to them, he uses a proverb that was common in the culture. It's not the well, it's not the healthy that need a physician, right? It's, it's the sick. This was, a, this was a, a rabbinical teaching. This was a rabbinical proverb. This was something that the, that the Pharisees said themselves. <laughs> he uses their own wisdom against them. I, I, I haven't come, you see, to call the righteous. And what he, what he meant by that was he was really undercutting their pride. He's, he's saying, I haven't come to the people who think they're so holy and so, so right with God that there's no room for repentance. I, I haven't come, he, he's ironically saying, oh, you guys, you guys, you're so, you're so high and so great. No, I haven't come for you. I've come for sinners. But really what he's saying to them, you guys need God just as much as these people do. You religious types, you holy types, you people who think you've got it all together. Don't you need God? Don't you need grace as much as these people do? So of course he's coming for the Pharisees just as much as he's coming for the tax collectors. I've come to call sinners. Why does he eat with sinners and tax collectors? Because that's why he came. To call them into the kingdom. That's why he came to bring the gospel. That's why he came to extend grace. That's why he went as far as he did. How far did Jesus go to bring people into the kingdom? He went all the way to the cross. For me to go into a bar was shocking, it was stunning. But how small it was. Jesus went all the way to Calvary. Jesus gave his life away for sinners. I'm thankful that Jesus didn't make me clean myself up before 
I heard the gospel. I'm thankful that Jesus didn't uh, say, Jerron, you can never, uh, you know, you stop sleeping around with people. Jerron, you stop drinking. Jerron, you stop partying. Jerron, you stop lying to people. Jerron, you stop gossiping about people. Jerron, you stop um, stealing from people. You get yourself right in that way, and then we'll talk the gospel. I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't wait for me to get perfect. I'm so thankful that I heard the gospel and I responded. See, Levi, what, what Levi did, you know, when he left the tax booth, what was that? What was that? What was he doing? He was repenting. Repenting means you, repentance is a hatred of the sin in your life. Repentance is a hatred of the evil you're doing. Repentance is, is a dis- disgust of, of the wickedness that's been happening. And repentance is a, is a leaving of that, attempt to leave that behind. It's, it's a willingness of the heart to say, I'm done. And the belief is a, is a trust. A trust in God that he is, His grace is sufficient. A trust that He can save me. A trust that I belong to Him and, and the kingdom is greater than anything I could ever have, have otherwise. So Levi, when he, when, he, when he left the tax booth, he was repenting and believing. He was repenting and turning and following Jesus. That's why Jesus came. Church, we have a calling. We have a mission. The theological study we were doing on Wednesday nights, I I noticed that the the author, he says that the mission of the church is threefold. It's to worship God, to glorify God. The second mission of the church is to nurture faith, to nurture believers, to make disciples. The third mission of the church is evangelism and mercy. The mission is to go out to lost people, share the gospel, to present the gospel to people, the gospel of grace. Church, we are called to be that, that people that go on mission. We're called to be the people that extend grace to people that don't deserve it, just like we didn't deserve it when we heard it. Church, we are called to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We're called to be lovers of the lost. We're called to be the, the servants of the sick. We're called to be Jesus' hands and feet. We're called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those who don't know it yet. That there's a whole other kingdom, there's a whole other world, there's a whole hope ahead. There's salvation and rescue and deliverance for those, anyone who repents and believes. And we are the ones who are sent. May we be the ones who go. May we be the ones who open our mouths to our co-workers. Jesus offered salvation to sinners and so should we Jesus extended grace to people that were lost and so should we Jesus offered the kingdom to people enslaved to the darkness and so should we May we be a church 
of Jesus Christ. May we be a church of grace. May we be a church of loving people as Jesus has loved us. Would you stand in His presence? Our holy and mighty and glorious King, our sinless Lord, thank You for calling us into the reign of into your reign, the reign of the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Thank you for inviting us when we didn't deserve it. Thank you for offering us the gospel. Thank you for coming to earth, Jesus, as a missionary from heaven to earth and presenting to lost people like us the truth. Lord God Almighty, it says in your word that we are now sent you sent us to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Lord God, may we be faithful in the task. May you kill our inner Pharisee, Lord. May you make us people that are full of grace and full of love. May you make us bearers of the gospel. And may many, many enter your kingdom and receive the kingdom by grace. We love you, Lord. Please send us out into the world. Please take us where you want us to go. Please make the gospel right on our lips. And may you be all, all praised. May you be all glorified. May you be all honored as you so richly deserve. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God, by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.